Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. We're now using the internet to deliver voice rather than traditional telephone lines. So yeah, technology just continues to evolve. Hello, welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. Today, I'm joined by Michael, Michael Crutzen. Hi, Michael. Hi, Jerry. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. Well, thanks for journeying all the way up the road to see me. What was it, about 20 minutes? Yeah, if, if that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Michael and his business, Detail, Detail Solutions, have been, we've been working with you guys since probably about 2000? When yes. you were, I would think, either at school or... <laughs> I would have still been at school. Um, so yeah, it's been a long time. Um, certainly for my duration in, in detail solutions, the last 10 years we've, we've yeah. worked with you, but it goes back much yeah, further. I worked with your dad before then. Um, and it, some people know about Business Network International, BNI, but I met your dad through BNI like yes. 20 years ago, 24 years ago. Um, and I still work with people and have relationships with people, business people from that time, from B&I. I mean, some people love it, some people hate it, but the truth is, after 25 years, I'm still dealing with people yeah. that I used to. It's great. Yeah, no, we've uh, we've got members of staff still doing B&I, right. so we're a big advocate of it. Um, and yeah, no, you meet some fantastic people, and well, yeah, look at this relationship. It's been going almost 25 years. 25 years, yeah, gee whiz. Right, okay, so we're going to talk about... Um, we're going to talk about various bits of tech today and the audience generally, and this is my feeling, and unless people reach out to me, and this is your key thing here, guys, if you want to reach out and tell me what you do and what you're interested in, but I think most of our audience are um, investing in commercial property, obviously from the name, but also there's a number who want to do multi-let. And some of the stuff we're going to talk about is possibly going to suit them better, albeit some single occupants are also going to be interested in this sort of thing. But we're talking about structured cabling, yes. um, phone systems, uh, Wi-Fi, internet, all these lovely different bits and pieces, right? Correct, yes. Anything technology is what we can hopefully help and Yeah. So maybe discuss. maybe we should start with that and maybe I've stolen your thunder, right? But maybe you could just tell us what your business does now. Yeah, of course. So yeah, Daytel Solutions, we offer managed data, voice and cabling solutions to other businesses. So we provide connectivity, uh, wireless connectivity, voice solutions, both on-premise and cloud-based. Yep. Um, and we do our own structured cabling, Cat5, Cat6, Cat6A. Yeah, so I think originally, um, when we first started working with you guys, we had a, I don't even know what it's called now, but some Samsung telephone system that yes. was a big piece of kit that sat in a cupboard somewhere that had umpteen IDSN, was it IDSN lines? ISDN. ISDN yep. lines coming ISDN. into it 
with a whole bird's nest of cable. Well, wouldn't have been we would install the cabling at that time, so it would be bird's nest of cabling and telephone handsets all over the place. Yes, so technology has evolved, it's evolved um, isn't it? as yeah. you know. So back in those times, Jerry, um, <laughs> I would say a telephone system was there to simply make and take calls. Yep. That was it. Um, but now we're speaking to about businesses, speaking to businesses, sorry, about integration with third-party solutions. We're now using the internet to deliver voice rather than traditional yep. telephone lines. Um, so yeah, technology just continues to evolve. And we yeah. we used to um, we used to have the ISDN lines, and then we used, moved on to SIP trunks. Yes, but that's now changed again, is it? So we still provide what are called SIP channels mm -hmm. um, for on-premise solutions, but a SIP channel is essentially using the internet to deliver voice. Yes, um, but I would say the majority of our installations now are cloud-based, and that basically means you don't have. Um, hardware on site, yep. no longer. The telephone system is, is hosted in the cloud. Yeah, and we would have attached to that, we'd have a computer that had a call logger on it, so it would log all the calls. And of course, the reason for doing this was two was twofold. One, to provide your clients with a telephone system so they didn't have to go out and get their own, so they could have instant access to, to phones. And you would provide them a number, mm -hmm. and I guess it's still the same now, right? But you provide them with a number and a handset for their office or multiple handsets, depending on how many members of staff they had. And then the system would log the calls yes. locally on site, and then we'd go at the end of the month, record all those, take that data off, Correct. and then send yes. them an invoice. So now, all, the, all those analytics are web-based. So you can log on to a computer anywhere in the world, and you can pull the data that you used to have to hold on a server on yep. site. Um, it's funny you say about telephone numbers. So when you had your ISDN 30, um, we would have only been able to provide you with an area code for the area that you're in. Whereas now you could come to me and ask for a London, New York and Milan number and we would be able to yeah. provide you with that. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? And, that, and basically that second part of that, you know, the call logger, the reason for having all that stuff was actually maybe you can monetize this. So sure, give the client's phone system, but also you may be charged at standard rates, but actually you could bulk buy and there was an arbitrage there to make a little bit of money. Yes, so and, you would essentially um, wholesale call rates yeah. um, and you could set your call logger um, to then add... Uh, percentage and that yeah. would be your revenue. Yeah, so now, correct me if I'm wrong, but now a lot of it's more bundle-based. I mean, do most of your clients go with bundles? So if you take a handset or at least a number, or, in fact, maybe you should describe it. Yeah, no, of course. Now. So basically now what you're looking at doing is uh, a licensing model. Um, businesses don't pay for calls any longer. That's a thing of the past. So essentially what we provide is a cloud license with a minutes bundle attached to it and a handset. Um, and that's all bundled into one monthly cost. Interesting. So if they make the call, it goes over, if it's in our buildings, it goes over the fibre line through the network to wherever, I'm assuming their software or hardware is somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So our servers are situated in London and there's a backup server in Manchester and Reading. Okay, so the call, the electronic call goes to there does uh, what does it do from there? Does it go out on the phone network? How does that? You no. Know, if so, I'm ringing somebody on their mobile, mm -hmm. what happens once it gets to London? Okay, so the 
call would call out over the internet, hit the hosted server, which in this case would be in Telecity in London, um, and that will then pass the call over broadband to the recipient. I see, right, okay, okay. And then it goes out to them. Correct. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, so are you finding, because you did mention at the start there, some people do do on site. What are you finding now, the split between people actually investing in hardware and those that yeah, are online? so 95% of what we do now, I would say, is, is cloud-based. Yeah. Um, not one solution fits all. So there are still scenarios where we would put in an on-premise solution. Yep. Um, that tends to be more in a hospitality environment where there's... Um, large numbers of bedrooms that don't need an all singing and all dancing IP phone. Yep. You still just need an analogue device that can phone Talk reception, reception, phone the restaurant yeah. and, and phone the spa. Um, but in any other scenario, you pr you, we're pretty much finding that cloud is uh, is the way forward. Once you've invested in the license, licensing on cloud, you really don't need to look at another investment in a, in a telephone system. And you, yeah, and you just add per per user, a license each time. Yeah, it gives you much more flexibility. And how many people actually don't bother with handsets now? More and more now. Uh, again, it depends on the environment that we go into. So we do a lot of work with charities, um, and there's a large national charity um, which we work with, and they pretty much all go down the soft phone route. So they will just open their laptop, plug in their headset, um, and everything's controlled on their laptop. Um, but we tend to find if you go into more of a an office, like a solicitor's environment, they still want a piece of plastic yeah. on the desk. It's just down to down to preference. Yeah, so some people they might just have a headset sat on their laptop or whatever. Exactly, yes. And the software's sitting there, or the app. Correct, you have the app on your mobile, your tablet, your laptop, and yeah. it can ring on all, all three devices. Oh, so, what yeah, fun. No getting away from a, a call. <laughs> okay. Um I think the evolution of that has been quite interesting. And from a point of view of monetizing it for, for multi-let locations is the fact that you can do the bundling, right? So you basically buy it for, like, I'm going to pick a number here, £15 a month, mm -hmm. whatever the number is, and maybe sell it to your client at 20 or £30 a month, whatever it is. Um, is there any calls that don't fit in there? So, for instance, if you're phoning Kazakhstan... Is yes. there certain numbers that don't fit in there? Yes. Yeah, so what we do is we bundle local, national and mobile calls. Um, and then we give the operator the option to whether they want to give access to international calling to their client. And if they do, then the cloud will give you software that you will get a wholesale tariff. And then you can mark that up and charge right, it I on see. to the end user. I see. And is it ever a case that that's bundled in? Or not? It's not because we don't have any control over. We are still paying yeah, for so the, the bundling's for mobiles, call. national, local, Correct. in general. Yes. Any European or just that's it? No. Right. Just, okay. Just, okay. Just that. Cool. All right. So ninety-five percent are putting in um, soft systems. If you are getting a phone handset, cause being the only bit of hardware now, mm -hmm. is that generally something you would just buy? Is it something that would go on the contract? If so, how long for? Yeah. Um, if you are looking for a flexible option. We give you the option to purchase a handset and then you can purchase a license on a 30-day rolling yep. period. Um, or we have bundles over 12, 24 and 60, 36 months, sorry, where we can provide the handset as well and you just pay one rental. Yeah, okay, yeah. Because one of, the, one of the things that 
used to um, get a wee bit difficult for us was when you're buying hardware in particular rather than the licensed stuff, you would effectively bring in um, 10, 15, 20, whatever you thought you needed. But then we have a customer move in that had maybe 20 people on the phone. Um, you'd have to go out and get another 20 handsets. And that became problematic because eventually everybody moves on and yes. then you might have 10 back and it's like, well, what do, you do, what do we do with these things, right? Yes. Whereas now the licensing, obviously you've got to guess or work out how long they're going to be with you. But even if they're with you for a little bit shorter, at some point you can hand those back. Is that basically how it works? Yeah, that, that's correct. And again, one shoe doesn't fit all. So we have got a couple of different models. Um, whereas in the past, I know, Jerry, that we have provided you with hardware yep. and you have then passed that hardware on to tenants. Um, but we're in a position now where that tenant can contact us directly yep. and we can have that relationship taking away any stress or any barriers um, to yourself. Yeah, that's that's how we work, isn't it now? Yeah. We, we used to do everything through the old system. Then we started doing um, things where we bought the IP kit and then we deal with that directly with the customer. But now, actually, you guys work alongside us and support the customers directly, which is taking a lot of the friction away for us, and but still provides that service for the customers, um, which has been great. So one of the things that you guys didn't do previously, but you do now, is structured cabling. So I, I really wanted to talk to you about two things, right? One, the, the tech and the kit, which we've already started doing. We're going to come back yes. to that because I want to talk to you about internet stuff. But... Also, the other side is just infrastructure. So if you're redeveloping a building, um, nine times out of 10, the cabling is not Cat5 at best, mm -hmm. you know. Um, very seldom is it Cat6. And even if it is, it's probably going to the wrong places. And it wouldn't be the first time I've gone to site, you see the data room or the comms cupboard, and all there is now is a bunch of cables sticking out the floor because someone came along and just chopped them all and yes. took the whole cabinet away and everything. Mm -hmm quite difficult sometimes to reuse. And, and I've, it's been frustrating over the years where I've had quite a number of times where we've bought a building, it has cable, and you're like, right, okay, well, at least we can use. And, and I've had customers from a consultancy point of view come and say, yeah, we've got Cat5, it's all in the walls, there's all the panels everywhere. And you're like, mm, yeah. But more nine times out of 10, you end up having to redo it. I mean, what's your experience? Yeah, so infrastructure is absolutely key. You can make investment into all your wireless equipment, into the best um, cloud handsets. If you don't have the infrastructure there to support it all, it, it's no use. Um, so as standard now, we would only install Cat6. Yep. Um, that we think is future-proofing future a building. Um, and I would just say that regardless of what you're thinking about doing is speak to us or somebody like us um, at the very beginning um, to help you kind of 100%. project manage it yeah. because it is so much more difficult, um, if you, especially if you get to a stage of decoration, plastering, furnishing. Oh, I need my combs. <laughs> and then you've, yeah, oh, this would be helpful to have. Um, and then all that hard work's undone. And you get all this trunking going over the top of stuff or exactly. you have to start digging holes. Yeah, you add it's... additional pieces of equipment. You had additional switches so you can extend the network out to another wing. It's And then that's when it, it compromises yeah. um, it compromises the performance, but it can also be unsightly as well. Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. And we've learned that the hard way. So as much as I like to 
and this is me using the excuse, but as much as I'd like to have sometimes put the full Buna in a building, sometimes you're like working on a tight budget and you're like, I'm going to do this in phases. But even if you at least have a forethought as to ways through walls, where you're going to lay it out in the end, having this the the infrastructure to at least get from one comms cupboard to another, whatever it is. It, it needs to be well planned out. Yeah. Um, and some projects we work on can take years. Um, yes, yeah, phased. But as long as yeah. it's, it's planned, um, then we can foresee what we're com- going to come up against and really f- future-proof it so you're not having to take a backward step for something that's either been forgotten. Yeah. Um, and, and in the past, so here would be the typical setup. You'd have a, an office that's maybe for four people. So you might think, I mean, you could have thought, I'm actually going to need eight points here in this, this space because I'm going to need four phones and four computers. And maybe even another one for the printer. Printer, and yes. one other one for something else that does something with the internet, right? And so you've got all these ports everywhere, like 10 ports we're talking about now for a four-person office. And that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And often that cabling would go all the way back to the comms cupboard, however far away that is, put into a patch panel. Forgive me for those. Some of you listening to this are like, yeah, I totally know what you're talking about. Others are like, what are you talking about? Patch panel is basically back in the comms cupboard, a space you've set aside with a lockable door to keep all this kit, where each and every point in a room that you can connect a laptop to or something that goes over the internet has to go back to that comms cupboard via the structured cabling we were just talking about. And when you get back to the cupboard, then ideally it would all be set up so that each and every cable is what's called terminated in a patch panel so that an engineer can come along or you or some of your staff can come along and say, right, the phone that somebody wants to use is on port number B52 or whatever it is. Yeah. And you can connect up and you know where it's going. Correct, yes. And sometimes when you're starting out these projects, that's kind of the last thing on your mind, right? But especially when you're doing historical buildings, you've got to get it in. Otherwise, you end up with unsightly trunking and various other methods to try and not destroy all the work that you've just done redeveloping. Correct, yes. Ultimately, when you have a client moving in, you've got a tenant moving in, you want to make it as easy and as simple for them so that they can come in, connect their systems, and they can then continue with their day-to-day work. Do you find, though, so back to that example, 12 ports might have gone in that room. Is that a little bit excessive these days? It it depends on the environment. So again, (laughs) this is where it's really sitting down and thinking what model you want to follow because there are different ways of doing things. Um, One example is you might only now have one live Cat6 data point per room and then it's down to the tenant to then create their own mini infrastructure within the office. Yes. And the reason that's becoming more popular is it then takes the onus of the centre owner um, who is no longer liable for maybe any small issues of them. Yep, the little client. networking issues. Yeah, yep. exactly. Because, again, you can't be responsible for what equipment yep. your client might bring in and connect to the network. It's not necessarily always a network. It could be a 15-year-old piece of equipment. Um, but then you're starting to enter that grey space that you, you don't want to be in. Yeah, it's a very valid point. I mean, that's definitely the route we've been going down now. You, you will have seen in our... Um, latest development we i in the first phase i put in loads of cat, f- cat five points as it was it might be in cat six i don't know we'll come back to that but anyway loads of points 
And actually, on reflection, I'm like, this was just stupid. Mm -hmm. I really need one or two and then a mini switch in their room, which they then use. But equally, which we'll come on to, we use Wi-Fi a lot more now. Yes. So the customer may be sat in the room and actually not connected to the wall at all. They're just speaking to the, the Wi-Fi unit that's outside in the corridor or whatever it is. So it definitely saved quite a bit of money on the front end doing the structured cabling, but nevertheless, you need at least something going into each and every room. But it's not just that, is it? It's other things like, where's the security cameras going? How's the door, door working? Entry. You know, There's lots of factors taken to consider consideration. To, to put put these, and the Wi-Fi units. Yeah, CCTV, alarms, these are all things that you need to think of. Yeah, and they all need a termination going back to that comms and, cupboard. And they all work from broadband. Yeah. So again, going back to how key connectivity is. So just to clear, to clear this up, what's the main difference between a Cat5 and Cat6? Did you say Cat6A? Cat6, Cat6A, yeah. So Cat6A is shielded, um, which in your standard run-of-the-mill kind of office block, that wouldn't be necessary. Um, but the difference in the cable is just the speed or the pass-through on the, on the cable. So Cat5 would be up to a gig, whereas Cat6, you could pass up to 10 gig. So it really is wow. future-proofing. The infrastructure. Do a lot of switches though only do up to 100 meg or are most of them getting better now? No, most of them, anything we would supply would be a, a gigabit switch. Yeah. So we still go into maybe more historic setups and you'll get what's called a 10100. So the maximum yes. throughput on that is going to be 100 meg. So if you've got a 500 meg lease line, for example, and you've only got a 100 meg switch, yeah, you're doesn't only matter. Gonna get, it doesn't matter. So yeah, all switches would be, uh, would be gigabit. Yeah, okay. And that switch, that piece of kit you just mentioned there, that is really, um, so the fibre comes in the building and, and we use fibre everywhere, not to say everybody does. Mm -hmm. um, fibre internet comes to the building. Then we have a router. Yes. Then the router is provided usually by the ISP or the, the service provider. Correct. But then what do we have after that generally? Okay, so fibre lease line will come, so the fibre will come into the building um, it will then hit the router for the internet service provider. Yep. We will then take a port and put one of our own routers on the into the cabinet. And then from our router, you'll patch into the switch. And then the switch will be labelled and it will go out to each individual point yep. on out on the floor. And that switch, is that usually um, completely firewalled or is that sometimes a choice? It can be unmanaged or managed. Again, it comes down to the model um, yeah. and yeah, how you want to operate the, the business. Yeah, because we've, we've had to do the odd work around where we've maybe need an IP address. As you know, we've sort of, we've changed our system recently where we had um, a rather expensive managed system and now we've, my my feeling is all this stuff's going more commodity. There's, you know, it's expected. It's yeah, like it's like water, right? Definitely. We need it. Yes. <laughs> I often joke, you know, if the water stops, people complain. If the heating stops, people complain a bit more. But if the internet goes down, then we're all in trouble. It's right? true. I think any business now um, just relies on it so much. It doesn't matter what systems they use, their phones, their IT, their accounts, software, everything is cloud-based. So without an internet connection, you can't really do much. Yeah. So basically, with the internet now, our provision, we're trying to, is go more and more Wi-Fi. Yes. And are you finding that in offices, 
people have more PCs that are Wi-Fi related now? Or are they still having to add a bit of kit to make that happen? No, I would say that a lot more businesses are working wirelessly. Um, so there will still be a need for hardwired connections mm -hmm. for putting other items onto the network, such as a printer, printer and yeah. a scanner. But no, a lot more businesses are working are working wirelessly. Yes, yeah, so that, that need for all that structured cabling is reducing. It is reducing, yes. Yeah, okay, cool. All right, so we've been talking about phone and internet and that question I wanted to get answered about Cat5 and Cat6. So basically, internally, Cat5 and Cat6, the same number of cables, right? Exactly, yes. Cat6 is just slightly thicker, so it's a wee bit harder to, yeah. to, uh, to use. But yeah, it will... But there's no difference other than that. Yeah. Okay. There's still yeah six cables within the one cable. Yeah. So um, integrations. So there's doors, door access, Wi-Fi units, printers, phone systems, all these different bits and pieces. Are you seeing more and more opportunity for these things to start working together? Because they used to always be so independent from each other. And that through obviously having one managed switch, they're all coming to one place, right? But some of those bits of tech, sometimes they talk to each other, sometimes they don't. I mean, what are you finding? Are things getting better like that or? M much better. I think a real buzzword at the moment is, well, obviously AI, but automation as well. Um, and it's yeah, integrating systems so that businesses can simplify operations and, and really enhance a customer, ex a client experience. So yeah, more and more of these things are, are being in integrated and we're finding it's, it's more common. Yeah, okay, well maybe maybe we should just open that can of worms for a second. Okay. Then. AI. Um, I was going to ask you a general question about what do you see coming down the trap, but mm -hmm. this sounds like the big one. What, what sort of things should people be thinking about? I mean, first of all, maybe you can explain where you're seeing some changes. Yeah. Also, where in time some of those things are going to start affecting people like us? Yeah, I mean, I think for a long time there is still going to be that need for human interaction. But to give you an example of maybe what we can do today, uh, if you have a co-working space, you could go online, you could request a half day or a full day access, mm -hmm. and you can all do this through a bot, through a chat, so there's no human at the other end of this. And once you've set the parameters of what exactly you need, you could then be emailed a, a pass to enter the building, a permit for parking, a username and password for internet access for 24 hours, and probably a, a coffee at 12 o'clock if you wanted to as well. <laughs> That's the way that things yes. are potentially going to continue to move. Yeah, we, we've, we've joined most of those dots now on our, on our app. But the, the, the one we haven't quite quite managed without any human interaction is the internet one. That's mm -hmm. the one where we're still needing to just get a system where that open API is there so they'll both talk to each other. Yeah. And, and it is, it's that thing, that certainly in recent years, where you do you go all in for a system that does everything? Or do you go for two or three systems that have open API, open AI, so API? Open API, yeah. so they can talk to each other, right? Mm -hmm. Or you may need someone to do the coding for you. And we've gone for more the latter because we did have, for a period of time, a situation where a couple of people, businesses, were providing us with a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Not not necessarily what you guys do, but a lot of other um, stuff, including client management and everything else. But the problem was 
they were not they were closing off their open API. Yeah. So then you find you have to use their systems and then you need to use something else. And then the price starts going up and it starts becoming a bit more challenging. That it seems to me that the upstarts, the 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 less <laughs> aggressive providers are being a bit more open. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think you'll find that there is a lot more willingness to for manufacturers and, and suppliers to have open APIs now. Otherwise, users are just going to go and try and find a different solution that does allow yep. for that. So yeah, I would one hundred percent agree that it's more there's more it's more open and there's more willingness there to, to yep. have an open API. And is there any AI that I mean I'm assuming AI is obviously in phone systems, right? Yes. Um is there anything that we should be thinking about in terms of building management that you guys are coming across? Um, at the moment, it's, it's difficult. Again, the technology just continues to evolve. I believe um, there'll be a time in the not-so-distant future that you'll probably be able to bring in VR, for example, to conference rooms. So people who can't meet in one room, you'll have a virtual reality meeting, if you like, as if everyone is there. So, yeah, I... You know, I, I, so are you talking partially metaverse? Yeah, I am actually, yeah. So um, I had a really interesting conversation with uh, a provider, a well-known provider in the UK of service space. And um, that's where the conversation went. I'm like thinking in my mind, really? I thought that had kind of died down. But they were like, no, no, we use this quite mm -hmm. a lot now for conferencing. Yeah. And it works really well. And the... The thing that they're finding that's quite different is that people are a bit more open when they're on that platform because yeah. the environment's slightly different than perhaps using Zoom or yeah. Google Meet where you've got that two-dimensional yeah. conversation going on. Yeah, no, I think it's a while before it become mainstream, but certainly as it becomes more affordable, it's, yeah, it's yeah, going to be something. really interesting that you bring it up. I'm, I'm going to be interviewing um, this... Um, great lady on a future podcast so I'm, I'm really looking forward to having a discussion about what they're doing with AI but I look forward to listening yeah, to that one. yeah it's interesting that you mentioned that and I think to myself well, right so we're talking about virtual space how's that not going to compete with what we do but it I think that's just me looking at it from a two-dimensional mind probably I, I mean it could complement what you do potentially yeah I think so and like you say there you you could so we we, we have managed to where we have meetings going on and interestingly our own ones for CPI network where some people are on site some people are off in different locations and actually the tech and we are getting better at using it but the tech's getting better and better for picking up sound in the room not getting feedback putting a speaker in so you can hear the guys that aren't there see them on the screen sharing you know it is getting better and better maybe maybe I'm just getting better at using it but yeah. I, I guess that is another step though uh, that's another about. step but yeah we've certainly come a long way from the uh, the spider conference phone that you would yeah, pop into the middle right. of a desk and everyone <laughs> would... cost about would, three grand or yeah, something stupid. everyone would, um, that would gather around. So, but yeah, like everything, the technology evolves and yeah, it becomes smarter. I'll, I'll let you know when I've had that conversation. Yeah, that'll be good. Right, okay. So um, what I wanted to do now is just, right, you've got an idea who's listening or who we think's listening to our, to our episode. And... Maybe you could just reflect and share some experience of 
what people or developers have maybe done wrong, not mm -hmm. needing to name any names, particularly if it's me, um, <laughs> but just some of the things that people need to watch out for. Yeah, of course. So a good starting point is when looking at any type of building, have a look or speak to someone to find out what connectivity is in yeah, that area. area. Because yeah. we've already said connectivity, fast broadband is crucial. Um, we have had situations where we've worked with people that haven't maybe done that check and the only way of getting fibre to the building is paying ridiculous excess construction charges. We've seen scenarios where it's been quoted up to 300,000 to get a roads dug up and fibre to a building. So you really want to check that what's in the area just now is, yep. is, is going to be fit for purpose. How, how, how far was that? Um, it was, it, this particular scenario was a hotel um, and it was in the country. So there was a bit of work to do. Oh, um, but So a grant of maybe two or three grand from the government was not really going to cut it. Quite cut it no. <laughs> um, what did they do? So we actually looked at a couple of different scenarios for them. So um, we've got a satellite option, yep. um, mobile, uh, it's quite popular, so we can provide broadband connectivity via, sorry, a 4G and a 5G connection. So again, nothing that beats a, a fixed um, yep. fibre line. However, there are other solutions out there. Yeah, we, we've done, where we've had buildings close to each other and we weren't able necessarily to get a cable and we've built, put a bridge in. Yeah. A Wi-Fi bridge, is it called? Yeah, correct. Yep. So that's just a piece of equipment that sits and passes over the air to another piece of equipment and links the two buildings if it's not possible to put a fixed cable. Yeah, you just have um, to make sure no vehicles are this, driving past too much. Yeah, what, what sort of distance can they do now? Um, so it depends on the uh, on the equipment. Um, we've got a scenario up in Kenmore where we've done it over a lock. Um, obviously, couldn't get a cable between the two buildings. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you could be looking at a couple of miles for yeah. some of this uh, more, ex more expensive good. equipment. But yeah, it's... it's Okay, so, so that, that's one challenge, people not thinking beforehand, yeah. actually, let's check the postcode, see whether I'm going to be able to get fibre internet here. Yeah, and if fibre is um, possible and it's not going to cost too much, if anything, um, there's also a timescale to that. We've had situations where if you're relying on a council to put in a traffic permit to allow for work during the night to dig up part of a road or, or whatnot, it can take up to a year to get yeah. what you need done. Um, so again, it's I would say it's important to engage with somebody early on. Just a conversation over a cup of coffee, and that could could really help you yeah. long ter long term. Okay, what other issues have you come across that people have maybe not thought about and ended up costing them a bit of money? Um, going back to infrastructure, maybe just not planning correctly. Um, I think it's important to have a clear model in mind of how you're going to operate yeah um and yeah things will change but ultimately once you sit down and have a chat and give somebody the the advice or the options it's really about them building around around that um because yeah you could go off at a tangent running lots of cables and 70 percent of them aren't needed or you could run minimal cables and then you need a lot more yeah so yeah it's it's just having conversations and, and, and planning. 
okay, any other scenarios you've come across? Think these guys had maybe thought about this a little bit more. We could have done this a little bit better, or other things that developers have maybe not quite thought about. I mean, for for me, an, an obvious one would be um, the little points in the ceiling for Wi-Fi or for um, cameras, that sort of thing. But I, I guess there must be other things that people forget about. I mean, what about comms covered? I mean, what, what do we need for a comms? You know, how many times do you turn up on site, right, late? Yeah, and, no, and that's... It's like, yeah, you, uh, where's all this stuff going? It's interesting because, yeah, you will find you'll turn up and the the consultancy company will pull out a floor plan and they've got, we're going to put this here and this here. And you ask them, what about the comms area? Oh, we've not thought about that. <laughs> um, so again, yeah, it just comes down to, to planning, um, having those conversations early doors um, and speaking to kind of the experts in the field so that you don't miss so things that, like here's, here's, And then the thing about comms covers, right, is that we had, we had oh, we've still got it, we have one down in one of the Rosyth buildings that you'll know, mm -hmm. and it used to have an air conditioning kit in it, right? But when we bought that building, it had loads of infrastructure. They were switched on but never used. Right. Like, ridiculous. But it had it had an air chiller because the room was... It gets warm. Getting warm, right? Mm -hmm. With all this old kit. But now, most of that infrastructure's gone and we've got maybe one or two switches in there that do everything. And, you know, are you finding more and more scenarios where, A, the comms covered is small and than they used to be, and B, don't necessarily need air conditioning? No, I think um, there's less and less kit being hosted on site. That's true, yeah. Um, a lot of, or all switches will have internal fans for cooling. Um, so all I would say is don't put a comms room in a place that's maybe got... Boiler room. Boiler room would be one. <laughs> I have seen top floor of an office with big glass windows so the sunlight coming in and then that can cause overheating. Yep. But no, um, with more minimal kit actually on site required um, and the kit itself um, having fans built in, yeah, there's no need to really go to the cost. Maybe, so let's, let's have a think about a typical building. You know our buildings, right? So let's, I'm just trying to think a 10,000 square foot building mm -hmm. with let's say 30 offices you know, what would we typically expect in a comms room? Are we talking about, you know, umpteen racks or actually? No, so you would, um, so off the top of my head, um, how many offices, sorry? Say 30 offices. 30. I mean, the one in Dalgate Bay is 30, 33, yeah. 34 offices. So, yeah, the cabinet, really, you would have a couple of patch panels. Mm -hmm. You would have perhaps a 48 or a couple of 48 port PoE switches. Yeah. Um, a router and what else would you have um, and maybe a, a UPS an uninterruptible uninterruptible yeah sorry can't say that word battery um, pack thing supply. yeah exactly so <laughs> um, other than that yeah we wouldn't be yeah so you're basically yeah still needed. okay and maybe a security camera system if that's if that's yeah, something you've got so maybe a, a, so for your cameras so in terms of rack space and that's basically the sort of the shelf or whatever in your cabinet thing, you've got two patch panels, let's say 48s or something. Yeah. So 96, is that right? 96, whatever it is, 48 and 48, um, 96 ports. Then you've got maybe two 48 um, switches, switches. If, if you're going to patch everything in and never have to go back. Yeah. Um, so now we're up to yeah. four. Yeah. And we well, might the, have sw a the switches, even if you were just one or two cables per room, 
once you factored in things for like CCTV for cameras, that's true. Yeah, everything goes back to that cabinet. So yeah, you would. So yeah, ninety six would give you two free room and and then spare for the other stuff. Yeah. Yep. Um, obviously, if you need more, you need more. But then, so that's basically four racks. Then we've got the router coming in. Usually, that takes up two rack spaces. Then yeah, the router. Yeah, so you'll have if it's a lease line, you'll have you'll have your fiber tray which takes yep. up one U. Um, then you'll have the internet suppliers, route managed router, yep. and our own router. So we're at, we're at seven now, and yep. then you'll have. Um, have we covered the switch. Yeah, we've covered that. Yep. Seven, and you'll have a, a a server. Um, for your wireless network, which is kind of the brains behind yes. the operation. In, in our case, it's called. What's it called? Yeah, so it's a ubiquity. You've standardised yeah. on ubiquity. It's a, a UDM, which is a unified dream machine. And dream that's machine. What that's allows what us I was to, trying to remember what it was. Yeah, that was it. Um, <laughs> and that allows us to basically configure the site the way that you want to yeah. operate it. So we're about eight, eight, eight um, slots, or whatever. Now, yes, the UPS would need. Um, so, I don't know if I included the, um, I should have written all this down beforehand, whether I've included the cameras, but anyway, oh, and the doors, if you've got a door situation where you're using um, um, EQ unit or whatever yep. they're called to talk to the doors. Yep. So overall, we're still really talking about one cabinet. Yeah, definitely. You'll have maybe a couple of cable management bars in there as well yep. to keep everything tidy and labelled. Um, but yeah, certainly... Definitely not a cabinet any bigger than yeah. taller than me and you anymore. Okay, yeah, so that'll give people an idea. So for <coughs> that cabinet, you're going to need a decent-sized cupboard where you can open the door, mm -hmm. somebody can get in and play around with all the different cabling and everything else rather than it all being rammed in there. And, of course, I would say, holding my hands up here, one of the other things you've probably come across, certainly some of our sites that are older, is Spaghetti Junction. Yes. Cables coming everywhere and not necessarily labelled, which is a big no-no, right? It's not impossible to solve. No, but it it's a lot time. of time yeah, toning time. out cables, trying to work out where they go. If, if it's done properly, first time around, yes, everything's labelled and tested, it's okay. <laughs> everything's labelled and tested, yeah. long term, that is going to save you a fortune in, in time. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I did touch on it there, but actually it is important to think, well, you could, especially because we're reducing the number of ports we have now, basically patch everything. So every single port in the building has got a cable connecting it to the switch. Yes, correct. So we actually have the ability that everything will be patched in to every port in each office and we can remotely turn that off yep. and on. So the scenario that we have just now is if you've got a new tenant moving in, you email us the tenant's names and details, we activate the port and we set up the Wi-Fi. Whereas in the past, one would have had, you know, which port are they using in the office, which, which you know, and, and it would go on and on and you'd have to then patch it on site yeah, because be actually patching in 200 cables into a lot of switches is actually quite expensive. Especially if it's not labelled when it was done <laughs> as well. Yes. So, yeah, that's where it becomes challenging. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. Um, maybe we should just talk a little bit about um, where people can find you mm -hmm. and the sort of services you guys provide. You've kindly... Um, um, agree to work with us more closely. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit about where people can find you. Yeah, certainly. So again, we, we are a, a telecoms company, so you can phone us. <laughs> we want to have conversations, so you can uh, you can call us. Um, you can email us. All our contact details are on our, our website. I think um, if somebody wants to reach out to you to get support, there's two bits. One, 
geographically, where do you cover? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if they're listening to this in, in Kazakhstan, where we do have some listeners, hello, <laughs> <laughs> um, then that might not be a, a system you might not be able to help with. Probably, probably not. But no, um, we will cover UK-wide. Yep. Um, yeah, we don't, we have our own engineering team, our own provisioning team, although we're, we're based in Fife. Yeah, we've, we have clients that cover Scotland and uh, England. And anybody that wants, is just going through the, the throes of this in their mind, right, what do I need? How, do I, how am I going to develop out my buildings? Maybe we've got some plans now. They've maybe bought the building, but they're trying to work it all out. Um, what can you do for people that are just at that initial stage of trying to work out what they can do? Is that something you can help them with? Yeah, most definitely. So I think a lot of people we do deal with are like first and second, it's our first and second projects for many of them. Um, so yeah, we want to offer a, a consultative approach. Um, it's not a sales approach. Um, I mentioned earlier, we've had projects that have been ongoing for a number of years. Um, so it's really just about having a conversation, um, yep. identifying what it is you want to to achieve, um, and yeah, having having that discussion about how we could, would we be a good fit and working together going forward? Brilliant. Okay, so it's um, all the W's. Detail is it hyphen solutions? Detail hyphen solutions. Detail hyphen solutions. Look at that. I remembered that. Emailed you guys for twenty five years. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Um, I think that's it, Michael. Anything else we need to talk about? No, unless there's anything. No, I think that's it. If anyone's got any questions, um, either reach out to Michael or reach out to us. Spotify gives you a chance to leave some uh, comments or you'll find our um, email address or whatever in the um, show notes. So thanks, Michael. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jerry. I enjoyed it. Appreciate it. You, you feel all right now? Is that okay? Fine, that yeah. All right? <laughs> I'm feeling fine. Didn't have to worry I'm over the weekend forward. after all. No, no, not at all. And we'll uh, hopefully get another opportunity. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Great, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you.